0: Today we begin a new series um, here at Rochester Life where we're going to be talking about the book of Romans. Uh, We have been walking our way through the various letters that uh, were written in the New Testament, um, most of them written by Paul. Um, We're taking a look at uh, some of the things said to the New Testament churches, the churches that were just, uh, you know, being planted and were um, beginning to grow and the message of the gospel was going forth in those earliest years. And uh, so far, we've taken a look. We're, we're going through these letters in the order in which they were written. And so, so far, we've looked at James, which was written in the year 44 AD. Uh, we then took a look at Galatians. It was written in 49 AD. Um, first Thessalonians was in uh, 51 Um Second uh, Thessalonians was in the year fifty-two. Um, we just wrapped up our series on the first uh, letter of Corinthians, and that is in that was written in fifty-five. And now we turn the page to Romans, where we're looking at this letter that was written in fifty-six A.D. Um, so this is uh, you know about twenty seven years or so um, after Christ had died. The church has taken root. Um, there's a church that's growing in Rome. And uh, when we, we're going to be looking at this letter in four parts. This is the first of four parts. And we're going to be following um, something that you may have heard of before. A little um, evangelism training um, is and a a set of scriptures to follow when sharing about the need for Christ, what Christ did for us, and how we put our faith in Him is the Romans Road. Several scriptures that are just uh, easy to understand verses that help a person understand the way to know Christ and to discover a faith in Him. And so we're actually going to be looking at those six or seven um, verses in in the book of Romans that helps a person share their faith and understand their faith. And uh, so I want to encourage you to memorize the Romans road this month. As we go through this, Um, take these verses that we're sharing, put them to your uh, memory. Um, As you are talking with someone about your faith, you've got these verses that will help you clarify um, your understanding and your belief in your faith in Christ. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to be um, describing four different Types of roads as we talk about the Romans road Um, and these roads are going to help us get an image in our mind as to what that portion of the Romans road um, is trying to convey. And so the first of our roads that we're going to be talking about is a dead end road and uh, we're going to be drawing from two uh, verses in the Romans road series um, that's going to help us understand what this uh, dead end road looks like. Um, You've probably been driving down the road, looking for the street to turn on, and you see that infamous yellow sign that says dead end. And so, you know, especially if you're just trying to find your way somewhere, not to go down that road because that road isn't going to get you on through to where you're headed. It's a dead end road. There's, uh, you know, just a a few houses down there. There's a few streets, but uh, it's not, doesn't have a way to get through. And so uh, you won't turn down that road unless, of course, you're going to visit someone who lives in there. Um, The uh, verses that um, start off the Romans' road is in Romans 3.23, where it says, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here, this verse is saying that every single person who ever lived fell short of God's standard, fell short of his requirements for a holy life, a life that resembles him, a life that is can be in relationship with him, um, a life that's on page with him, all have fallen short of that standard of that expectation of that requirement. And so because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we turn the page to Romans 6, 23, where it says, and the wages of sin is death. The wages for that sin that everybody has committed is death. Of course, it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, there's hope in the second part of that verse, but we understand that the wages, the cost of our sin is death. Now, what I want to do is I want to explore that first part of Romans Road, helping everyone understand that they are in grave need of a relationship with God and in grave need of a savior who can establish that need because the wages, the cost of death or the paycheck for our sin is death. Um, so i want to look at a few different attributes that a dead end road has to help shed some light as to what the real consequence for our sin really is. The first at- attribute of a dead end road is that there's no motion. There, you're going to come to the end of the road. You're going to come to that last part of the dead end, and there's no more going forward. It is, it is done. There's no more movement. You are stuck. You're officially at the end. Um, the attribute of dead end road is that that you can't go any further. You're stuck um i don't know if you've ever been stuck before if you've ever been in a situation where you just cannot go forward you can't move any longer um we had a situation like that and many of you maybe have heard our story our testimony of one Allie, our daughter was five years old and she had an autoimmune disease that that she came down with and it, it literally paralyzed the whole bottom half of her body um, she was unable to, to move and to watch that disease kind of you know take a hold of her and watch within a, within a week's time her inability to use the lower half of her body with any kind of function or intentionality. It was extremely scary. Um, and we ended up going down to uh, a special hospital, Children's Hospital, where they deal with this kind of an autoimmune disease. But to watch her as they began to give her the right treatments, and to spend the next, I think it took five days, five days that she was unable to walk, to watch that slowly begin to come back to her as that autoimmune disease uh, was released because of the steroid treatment and to, to watch her take her first steps as they were slow and unsteady as her body was retraining itself in the communication between the brain. Um, it was a very interesting thing to watch, to say the least. Um, you probably have had moments where you were in total shock or fear had gripped you um, to a place where you just could not get your brain to tell your body what to do. Um, There's been times when I've had a nightmare while I'm sleeping and in the middle of that nightmare, you're trying to yell or scream or do something and you feel like nothing will come out. Have you ever felt stuck before? Um, Well, that's kind of the, uh, an attribute of the uh, dead end road is you are stuck. Um, Paul gives an illustration in another part of his letter to Rome in Romans chapter 4 where he's talking about a group of people, actually a husband and wife um, Abraham and Sarah back in the Old Testament, in a moment in their life when they should have felt stuck they should have felt like they were at that no more motion um, we're, we're, we got no ability to go forward here kind of moment and yet their faith was there and so I'm going to read Romans 4 verses 16 through 19 as they, as he talks about Sarah And uh, in Abraham and they have this uh, promise that they will be the the parents of many nations that, that there will be many who will come after them and yet they sit there very old in age and have no children. We're talking like 90 years old and 100 years old. And they're still sitting on this promise that they would be the parents of of many. And it says um, in verse 16, For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures meant when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that is how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. You see here, we've got this picture of two that were in a dead end road um, in every cent- of their physical life and they've been given this promise that they would have children and that there would be many that would come in fact whole nations would would come from them and um God's chosen people would ultimately come from Abraham and Sarah. God would choose to send his redeemer and ultimately Jesus Christ through Abraham. And yet their physical state at this moment was that there was they were at the, they were in a dead end road. They had no hope that they should be able to have children. And yet they kept on believing. They kept on having hope. And so um, when we consider that the wages of sin is death, we need to come to this understanding that we have no hope. Um, apart from a savior, we are at a place where there's no more motion. We are at that place where there's no moving forward, there's no moving past us, because in and of ourselves, neither one none of us have an ability to make ourselves righteous. We had sinned, we fell short of the glory of God, and here it says the wages of that of that sin is death. So that's one attribute of the, of the, of the dead end road. There's no motion forward. Here's another one. There's no options. You turn into a uh, dead end road. Your options are very limited. Um, That's a, um, it's a road that you might find a cul-de-sac. You might find a few streets that are within this dead end neighborhood, but you aren't, Finding any other options when you get to the end of it, um, there's no options. In this statement, the wages of sin is death. It, it's not a, it's not a, a statement with options. It's a statement with finality. It's a statement with no options. Um, it's it's one of those. This is not like the wages of sin might be death. It's. The, w- your, the wages of sin is death. Um, you're, taking your ch- you're taking chances, and the chance is, is that there's going to be no options. In fact, that's exactly what's being said. Christianity gets this reputation of being full of do's and don'ts, no options, no freedom, no fun. But the funny thing is, is that in reality, a life of sin away from Christ is the actual no-option choice. When we decide to um, reject Christ, when we decide to uh, live a freedom that we think that we are um, going to have apart from the rules of, of God and apart from his commandments and apart from his expectations and apart from a relationship with him, we think that we're entering into a life of freedom and many options. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you make that decision, when you choose to reject Christ, you actually are locking yourself in to the wages of sin is death. No options. That is what it is. Um, There may be a few cul-de-sacs to check out. There might be a few side streets, but there is going to be no options at the end of your uh, discovery through that dead end street. It's an illusion of options at very best. there was one time I uh, was taking a group of teenagers um, to amusement park, and there was this girl in our youth group who was absolutely terrified of roller coasters, and the whole group was wanting to go on this roller coaster, and I was trying to encourage her to be brave and let's try something new and let's see if it's as bad as you think and all of these kinds of things, and um, she was kind of getting coaxed along by the peer pressure of everybody, including me, and uh, we get up to the uh, You know, up to the front of the line, and we are about to step on, and I assure her that I'll be with her the whole time, and uh, you know, everything, and she finally agrees to sit down in this roller coaster. The seatbelt goes on, and we're locked in. And as that roller coaster takes off out of the out of the gate, starts climbing that big hill, this girl, this 14-year-old sweetheart, is now yelling and swearing at her youth pastor. I mean, she is cussing me out, she's telling me I'm the worst person, I'm the worst youth pastor that ever lived, and I'm crawling up there and I'm just, here's the thing, there was no more options. She could not get out. This was a locked-in situation. She was going down the big hill. There was nothing that she could do about it. And that's the same scenario that every person who chooses to reject Christ finds themselves in, in this dead-end situation, in this dead-end road. There are no options. If you choose to reject Christ, you are choosing the no-options path, despite how you might feel about your perception of God. rules upon your life. There are no options. The wages of sin is death, it says. Well, There's one other attribute I want to talk about with this uh, dead-end road. Um, We've talked about how there's no motion. There's no more moving forward. You're stuck. We also find here that there's no options at the end of the dead-end road, but we also find that there's no good future. There's no good future. One feature of a dead-end road is that there is no future. It leads to nowhere. Um, There is no uh, way on down the path that's going to give you any kind of um, decision-making power or any kind of joy. It's a dead-end road. You've probably heard of a dead-end job before. Maybe you feel like you've been in or you are in a dead-end job. And what does that mean? Well, it means that this job offers no more moving forward. There's no advancements. There's no promotion. There's no raises. All it is is what it is. You're in this dead end job. There's no good future there for you. Um, It might provide you a paycheck. It might take care of your needs, but you are not moving forward anywhere in life. And the fact of the matter is, is that at the dead end road has no good future. Life of sin says The wages of sin is death. So I want to talk just a moment about what is this death that's being referred to? The wages of sin is death. I mean, after all, everyone dies, don't they? I've been to funerals, been to lots of funerals. Christian people, people who love God. And there we are putting him in the ground. There we are mourning their loss. There we are sad about the fact that they are no more. And here it says here, the wages of sin is death. Well, there is a passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27, that says that it's appointed for men to die once, but after this is the judgment, but after this, the judgment. So what we find here is that every person who ever lived is going to die um, every person is going to face that moment that they depart from this earth. And that's not the death that this verse in Romans is talking about when it says the wages of sin is death. What it's talking about is the judgment that's mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. That the death is the judgment that comes after the earthly death. Um <clears throat> I want to look at a few verses um, that are not in Romans, but there are a few verses that describe this no good future, that describe this death. Um, These are words that are not pleasant. Usually we try to avoid reading them. Usually we try to avoid focusing on them. Usually we try to avoid preaching on them um, because we want people to feel good, right? But these verses here give us a description of this death that the Romans wrote. Paints. Um, most of these verses are going to be coming from Jesus's mouth directly. So if Jesus said it, I guess we probably should take note of it. After all, He was there at the very beginning. He was there um, at the right hand of the Father. He was there who watched all of the sinfulness. He was there that watched the flood. He He was there and and watched the promise given to Abraham. He was there as part of the planning team as far as who was going to go to Earth and going to pay the price on the cross. He was a part of all of it. And here. Jesus describes a place that we often call hell. And I want to read a few of the words that he had to say. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. This is when Jesus is preaching on the mountain. And it says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, the highway to hell. Notice the little road reference there. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. And what he's saying here is that there's going to be a lot of people that end up taking this road, this highway, directly to hell. There's going to be few that find this gate that lead to life. So I just want to point out here is that it is um, a very narrow pathway, a very narrow, a very singular decision that will help you find the road that leads to life. Because the road, this broadway that leads to hell is a broad highway that leads right into a dead end street. Um, Let's read what else he said in Mark chapter nine, verses 43 and 48. I believe this is also part of his Sermon on the Mount. And here he's talking about the severity of sin. And he says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. Notice unquenchable fires of hell. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Now listen to this description. Verse 48 says, where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. Friends, the description here, and Jesus is pleading with people to find the narrow gate in such extreme terms that he's saying, if your hand's causing you to sin, cut it off. If your foot, if your eye, if any of these things are causing you to sin, in, um, get rid of them because where it leads to is disaster. It's, it's a place described where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. Um, there's another story that Jesus shares, and he gives it in the form of a parable, and he's talking um, about uh, these two individuals, Lazarus and a rich man. We find the story in Luke chapter 16, and in this story, Jesus paints a picture about two people who die, one who ends up in Paradise. Um, it's also described as Abraham's bosom, and then there's also this other place, um, Hades or Hell, and it's a place that is separated by this great gulf, and there's a they're communicating one to another, and we're getting a picture as to what the guy who is now in this hell-like description, and the words that he's sharing from there. Let's read it. It says, "Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet." The rich man also died and was buried. And he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance was Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. Verse 27. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Jesus paints this picture in this parable that the place that leads to um, you know, eternal damnation, the place that is the wages of sin is death, this judgment place, is not a place that you want to go. This is a place that is torment and torture and nothing that you want to be a part of. It's a dead end road. It's a no option situation. And here we find it described as a place with no good future. I want to kind of conclude this reading of the scripture by saying, by reading final description in the book of Revelation. John the Revelator shares this in Revelation 20, verse 11, 15. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, um, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, probably the rich man who was in this piece of of this story. And it says, and they were judged, each one according to his works and death and hades were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire friends i don't know how to paint a more clear picture and plead with you enough as to what romans road is talking about here you see the romans road it paints a picture in this part of the Romans road that feels absolutely hopeless. Um, We read a description of hell. We get this idea and this imagery in our head as to what eternal life away from God looks like. We can't help but to pause And to take a look at our soul and to take a look at our heart. Um, we, We choose to feel life for a moment and take this inventory as far as where is the road that I'm on leading to. Is it leading to life or is it leading to this dead-ed road? Um, We need to identify um, the feelings of lostness that we might have in our soul and our need. That's what the part of the Romans road these couple verses is intended to do is to help the hearer take inventory and to feel their lostness and to decide that they are indeed in need of a savior. This is not the end of the Romans road. Praise the Lord. There is hope as we walk this month through the various verses in this road of understanding of salvation. We're going to find that the Lord did not leave us in this lost, hopeless state on this dead end road where everything is doom and gloom. But he chose to come and to give life. Now today... You might be sitting here and say, Well, I can't wait to hear the rest of this series because I want to know what all is about here. What is the Savior um, going to do for me? Well, stay tuned because we're going to get to a a more bright look at the Romans Road. But for now, this might be your day of salvation. You might be sitting in a place and you know that Jesus is the answer. Maybe you have heard Him preached, maybe you've heard Him spoken about many times before, but today you come with this stark reality that you You are sitting at the dead end road, that you are sitting there with no options, that you're sitting there with no hope, that there is no future, that you're stuck. And if you are sitting with any of those feelings right now, as you hear a description of hell, I want to challenge you to open your heart to Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that more in the next few weeks, but this is a moment for you. This is a moment for you to say yes to Jesus. This is a moment for you to invite him into your life. Now, friends, maybe you're listening to this and you clearly know Christ and you've clearly accepted him as your savior. But maybe you're thinking about when you are going through life and you're around the people in your neighborhood and you're around the people that you work with every day and you're around the kids in the in the school that you either attend or you teach at. You're around people every day and you realize how important it is that you share the message of Jesus Christ, that you share hope. And maybe you've just been talking about, oh, come to church, you'll like it. And that's good enough. That's good and all. But I want to challenge you to realize that there's people who are sitting on a dead end road facing the attorney that we just described. And we need to take this um, challenge to share the good news of Jesus Christ seriously, because this is the reality. Um, I, I hope that today, no matter what place you're in as you listen to this message, that one, you're either going to choose to say yes to Christ and you invite him in and your sins will be taken care of, or that you would realize how important it is that you are one who shares about who Jesus is and what he's done. I do love that that verse in Romans 6.23 doesn't end simply with, for the wages of sin is death. But it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the hope that we have. Let's pray, Father. Um, I I certainly don't know where each person who's watching here today. Um, I don't know the road that they've been on. I don't know the path that they've been on. But some might be listening to this and realize that they are on a dead end road, that they are apart from Jesus Christ, and that there are no options, that there is no good future. Lord God, that there is uh, that they are stuck completely right in their tracks. And I just pray today, Lord, that as they say yes to you, as they simply confess their sin, as they as they simply, Lord, acknowledge You as their Lord and Savior, that You would move into their life. Lord God, that You would give them a U-turn off that dead-end street, Lord God, and that You would put him on a different path. You'd put her on a different path, O Lord. And I pray today, O Lord, that You would give hope. Lord, I pray for others who are listening to this, Lord, who have gotten complacent in the conviction and the reality of what hell is all about, Lord, that we would see our friends, oh Lord, we would see our neighbors in the uh, lens and in the uh, concept, Lord, that they are sitting on this dead end road. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give us greater passion greater compassion, greater heart, greater understanding of your word, O Lord, that we would be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. And Lord, I bless your church today, Lord, um, regardless of whatever state we hear this in, in Jesus' name.